chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace, Millard, Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Exit meetings have taken place today at City National Arena between the players and the management and the coaching staff, and we get uh, set for uh, tomorrow's uh, media availability and locker room cleanout uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. So we had a chance to uh, reflect on the season and the uh, the way it ended, uh, but we will do that in a little more detail today on the VGK Insider Show. We will also uh, look ahead to the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are about to start today. The Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins kick off a three or four game opening night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, curious uh, from you guys who your most interested matchup involves. And then we also have the uh, some uh, teams making decisions on players and coaches and managers, uh, extensions uh, in place, as well as dismissals uh, on the way uh, that are being reported today as uh, we launch into the first week of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's here. It's upon us. Uh, it's my favorite time of year. There's literally nothing in the world better than Stanley Cup playoff hockey. So I'm ready to dig in. I'm ready to get to and into all of these different series that are going on. Obviously, it's bittersweet without the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But again, there's if you're a fan of the sport, there's really nothing like the next two months are going to be. Uh, yeah, and there's some intriguing matchups, uh, some uh, collisions that we didn't exactly see coming at the start of the year, and some uh, overwhelming favorites in the first round, and also some uh, matchups that uh, that I could see going either way, and that involves uh, both the division champions and, and wildcard teams. So there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, we also want to talk about the Henderson Silver Knights, which will start their American Hockey League playoffs uh, this week against uh, Colorado, and uh, that will be a best of three with all three games uh, taking place in Colorado. You have to be within a certain distance to go back and forth at a 1-1-1. Uh, so they're going to play all three games in Colorado, but Vegas will be termed the home team for game number two. <laughs> you know, with all the experience that uh, that Henderson <laughs> has been able to accumulate this year up with Vegas, I and and not really having their full complement of players uh, throughout the year, I wonder if the Silver Knights are a bit of a uh, a secret and waiting in the American Hockey Calder Calder Cup playoffs. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, you know, you've you've got a bunch of of guys that that have gotten a lot of experience up at the NHL level, and and you know, you get an opportunity to play in any type of postseason. I, I think you take all of your experiences with you into those situations. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Henderson Silver Knights and how deep the, uh, a run they can go on here. Uh, Brendan Brisson also signed his three-year entry-level contract uh, over the course of the weekend. That on the uh, heels of a 
brilliant a pro debut. That is one player that uh, that I have circled that I cannot wait to really sit down and uh, and absorb over the course of the uh, the Calder Cup playoffs and see just uh, where he is. I've watched him in college. I obviously watched him in the Olympics and uh, been able to pay a little bit of attention to him in his in his opening couple of games uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights. But I can't wait to just like put the little uh, isolation eyes on him and be able to see what this guy can do and try and project uh, him next year with the with Vegas or Henderson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we've seen early on, uh, especially with what Brendan Brisson's been able to do in the, in the American Hockey League so far, is that he finds spaces and he gets his shot off, right? And, and if you're able to do that in the American Hockey League, um, and you can do it with a little bit of longevity. You could do it consistently. Uh, then the, it, it tends to it, it tends to translate to the NHL. So uh, I think you're right on the money there, Darren. Like getting an opportunity to see Brendan Brisson in high stakes games, in really important games in the American Hockey League level, and what he's able to do with it just gives you an idea of what to expect come training camp next year. No, wet our appetite. Uh, tomorrow is the uh, locker room cleanout uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Any idea what? Uh, what uh, do you have something that you're that you're really curious about tomorrow when General Manager Kelly McCrimmon, Coach Pete DeBoer, and uh, most of the players uh, get a chance to talk to us? I mean the the biggest thing that I'm intrigued about is kind of the, the how you evaluate a season like that, right? Like I, I think that there obvious reasons for why the Golden Knights were on the outside looking in at the playoffs and you know injuries to me is a very big one but I'm just curious about what the evaluation process looks like because you know we we look at uh, special teams that that did not help the Golden Knights in key moments key situations um, so that's something to look at I, I'm just curious about how you go about evaluating a season where there are reasons outside of your control that contributed but ultimately, there were opportunities right there on the table in order to make the playoffs. Uh, what's the Twitter handle? Or Ryan the Hockey Guy or at Darren Millard. And then we've got Magnum702. Uh, put us on the list. Uh, wh- how do you evaluate what Vegas went through this year? It's, it's pretty hard to look at it and say it was a huge disappointment when you lose 500 man games to injury. And you realize how many of the top players played half the season or less. However, mm-hmm. if you look at it from a pure results standpoint, then you got to make some some harder decisions and that uh the 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 pass uh becomes a little bit uh, more more difficult. I I I'm amazed myself that it went down to mm-hmm. game 81 before this team was eliminated when you look at how many guys were out. That that just blows my mind and uh, they, they, there's part of me that also thinks they should be in uh, because they, they, they made it so close. Yeah, well, I mean, there there are certainly pockets within the season where, you know, a, a bounce or two goes a different direction or you're able to salvage a couple of points out of different games in which you either carry a lead into the third period or have a tie in the third period. Uh, certainly you get different results there. You're in. And I think I think to me that's maybe it. Like I don't know if it's better to miss the playoffs by one or two points than to miss by four, five, seven, or eight, or, or maybe even double digits. Because you, you can. Like, I'd rather I think miss the agonizing by one. Thing for anybody. 
Uh, I wouldn't because I think the ag- the agonizing thing is you're going to look at every single loss, every single point you left on the table, and you're going to say, if only X would have happened, then Y. If only we could have gotten a point out of that Pittsburgh game where we were able to tie the game back at three going into the third period, then we'd be in. And to me, like I, I don't know that, that that's what I want to be thinking about or, or worrying about or, or really diving into over the course of the summer. What's the most pressing needs or concerns that you have over this off season if you were going to total I'll give you a, a maximum number of three well salary caps number one right like I I think everything that that happens with this team over the course of, of the off season is is understanding that that right now the team's over the salary cap and they're going to have to shed salary. They're going to have to make decisions on restricted free agents and Nick Waugh and Nick Haig. So for me, I, I think salary cap is going to be the thing that dominates what the Golden Knights are doing and what dominates my thought process over the course of the summer. Number two is going to be special teams. Um, and number three is who's playing with Jack Eichel. I mean, I, I think that those are kind of the big three questions for the Golden Knights. How do you... How do you get a roster on the ice next year that is under the salary cap but better on ice than what you had this year? How do you get more productivity out of your special teams? And who's going to play with your best offensive player in Jack Eichel? Wow. Magnum, what are your your three? Well, um... I think salary cap is important because clearly, you know, you're, you're at a point where... You don't want to go through another season where if you have injuries again, you're going to be relying on on non-NHL guys to help you try to navigate an, a, a long stretch of, of games like you did this season. Um, I, I think finding the right line combination, and I, I guess that's, that's that's probably not something you can do until training camp, but you know, if you read some of the some of the things that have come out, chemistry, uh, obviously due to games lost, probably guys not playing together. And I, I would say the most pressing thing for me would be figuring out the power play. And again, that's probably not something wow. you, you can do to training camp. But I, I mean, you, you you have to find a way to be better than you were this this year. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how you do that. I, I I'm not a GM. Um, <laughs> there's a good reason I'm I'm here and not in Kelly's shoes because he he's forgotten more this morning about hockey than I'll ever know in my life. But. You know, I, I think those are crucial things, and, and I think the chemistry thing is, is a really big one because I, I would hope that you won't go through what you went through this season and you'll actually have the ability to, to build some chemistry. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, the, the, the salary cap is huge too because what what are you going to lose from the team this year that you you maybe weren't planning on or, or what kind of moves are you going to make in the offseason? I mean, I think there's a couple things that, Right off the bat, you you could look at, but you know, I, I, the salary cap is is big because, like I said, I don't think you want to go through another season like you did last season. Well, the salary cap's big because of the addition of Jack Eichel, and while they they played that dance before, now it, now there's there's real tangible consequences to that. Uh, you, you're going to have to subtract or make a change to this roster. That's where the intrigue comes in. You you will have to be salary cap compliant, so we know that they will be in that regard. But uh, when you look at this roster, it's going to be different. There's going to be name or names missing 
from the roster that finished the season to the the group that will start next year. It will be uh, interesting to watch. It's not a big concern to me uh, when when you when you talk about it. Uh, special teams. I, I I think when you have all your players back and you have the ability to prepare, uh, I, I think special teams will be will be figured out. I I. I I'm surprised that both of you guys went there, but it was it was a hot button topic. One area that neither one well, of I you think... touched on, though, was mm-hmm. goaltending or is goaltending, and uh, to me that that would run at a higher clip than salary cap because they're going to have to be compliant and and uh, with the addition of Jack Eichel and being able to train and get all your bodies together, I, I think special teams will sort itself out and, and be uh, a much more reliable part of this team. You know, I, I won't go goaltending because I, I feel like a healthy Robin Leonard, a good enough goalie to, to, to help you win. And I think we saw Logan Thompson is a more than capable NHL goalie as well. What does that mean for Loren Brossois? I don't know, but... I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty com- comfortable with the goaltending situation next season. I, I'm not too concerned about that because I feel like Leonard, when he was healthy, he was playing fine, and the team was winning games. When he wasn't healthy, the team didn't win games until until the end of the season when Logan Thompson started winning games for you. So I'm not too concerned about the goaltending situation, to be honest. Ryan? Um... I want to I want to reserve the right to comment on goaltending until after we get media availability tomorrow. And I, I think the the main reasoning is obviously, um, I believe in Robin Leonard when he's one hundred percent healthy. I Absolutely, think that what we saw from Robin Leonard. What we saw from Robin Leonard this year was a year that was just incredibly difficult and mired in injuries. And there was a stretch at the beginning of the year where the only reason the Golden Knights were among the top teams in the Pacific Division was because of the goaltending performance from Robin Leonard early on. Then injuries kicked in, then it became really difficult, and then down the stretch he gave everything that he could, and it just it wasn't enough. Now, um, I don't know that, that there's going to be much of a difference or change or anything like that when it comes to goaltending. I would expect that the Golden Knights go into next season with Robin Leonard and Logan Thompson probably as the one-two combination. I'm, I'm interested to see what goes on or what happens with Loren Brossois. I think that there are questions to be asked about the goaltending for sure, but we haven't really heard from Robin over the course of, you know, since he, he had his season ending surgery. So um, I, I kind of want to wait and see where, what the vibe is surrounding goaltending come coming out of tomorrow before I, I determine whether or not it's any type of concern. What do you uh, anticipate the least amount of turnover to be? Blue line, forwards, goaltending? Well, I mean, I, I think... I don't see anything you happening look at on the blue the, line, to be honest. Yeah, you look at you look at the way that the Golden Knights are set up over the next, you know, two-plus seasons right now on the blue line. I don't expect there to be any type of turnover really there. I mean, you make your, you make your decision on Nick Haig and, and what that contract's going to look like, and then... You know, you, you go from there. I think up front there's the potential for some some turnover just because you have to, again, acknowledge that the salary cap exists yeah. and find a way. Yeah, you have to. There's nothing you can do. Um, and then as far as goaltending, like, again, I, I think that the way that Logan Thompson played down the stretch, 
does that create an opportunity to get a little bit cheaper in your backup option by bringing up Logan Thompson and having him be a full-time NHLer and then looking for a way to trade the contract of Laurent Brossois? I think that that's a real possibility, and I think it makes a lot of sense from a, from a cap perspective. So I think the, the only areas where you're going to see turnover are potentially goaltending and up front. So you have real two real choices. And there, there's an in-between here uh, that's that's obvious. But you run the team back and say 500-man games loss is a fluke. Or you take missing the playoffs as a sign that you have to make real changes and adjust this yeah. team. What do you think is more likely? I'm a run-it-back guy. I'm running the back all day long. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked by this. Yeah. Um, what do I think is most likely? I, I think most likely what it's would you going do? to be running it back. I, um, I, I feel like I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would say I'd run it back completely because I, I don't think you can. Right. Like, I, I don't think that it's legitimately possible to run it back when you're when you're existing in a salary cap world and you're over the salary cap. Like there are going to be casualties regardless of uh, whether or not you'd love to bring the entire band back together. You couldn't get the band back to back together in the first place on the ice because you were over the salary cap this year. Um, to me, the the question about Riley Smith, whether or not you're able to work out a contract, get him back under contract with the Golden Knights moving forward, that's going to be a key as well. Um, I, I would I would say that what I want to see from the Golden Knights is an opportunity over the course of this summer to really lean into um, the their identity. And and we see oftentimes with, with Pete What DeBoer do you mean by that? And we hear lean into their identity. I mean, lean into what makes the Golden Knights best teams in the league. We know that they can score on the rush, but a predominant aspect of their game is holding on to pucks in the offensive zone and and using their possession time in the zone. But what we didn't see enough from the Golden Knights this year was the ability to score goals off of those extended possession times. I'm thinking of Joe Pavelski. I'm thinking of guys that are going to go to the front of the net, that are going to be able to tip pucks in, that are going to be able to score more replicable goals on those extended shifts in the offensive zone. And I think that if you can find a couple of players that fit that mold and fit that that system that Pete really does coach incredibly well, then I think that you you can tweak it, not run it back exactly, but you can tweak it into something that is a juggernaut. Hmm. You bring up Joe Pavelski. That's uh, well, an exception I, to I the... I know that's not a... <laughs> yeah. I know that's not out there. I know that's not a possibility, yeah. but I'm saying but, guys but it will makes go to me the front think. Like, you give me... It makes me think mm-hmm. about Corey Perry. And there's two advantages to Corey sure. Perry. One, he goes to the front of the net. And two, you get to the Stanley Cup final. It's all he ever plays in, yeah. Right? But no, but like I'm I'm with you on like a Corey on a Corey Perry, or you give me yeah. a little bit of like a Connor Garland, somebody that's got a little bit of that grit, a little bit of that sandpaper, but will also go to the front of the net to make life difficult. How many times do we hear this year that we've got to get a little bit greasy, we've got to simplify, we've got to get to the front of the net, and you know you just you look at it and it didn't happen consistently enough. But was that because they were nice hurt? Able to that they were they were depleted? I don't know. I I. I mean, I'm not sure. Like, I, I, 
I know that they can score on the rush. I don't feel incredibly confident that they're going to turn that extended zone sh- zone time in the offensive zone into goals. And I, I think that, that in order for this team to thrive, in order for them to turn into the team we all expected them to be, those extended shifts have to re- have to end up in goals. They have to. And I think you're like one or two players away offensively that are going to go to those areas. And Corey Perry is a great example. That that to me sounds your passion there, with all due respect to the salary cap and different other uh, areas that you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. That's shining through as your biggest concern or need to address. That might be fair. Um you know, I and I think I think maybe that's that's what I mean when I say salary cap because I don't know that if you're a fan of this team, all you want to see are subtractions in the offseason because of the cap, right? Like I think that there are ways that you can you can make this team better. I think that there are ways that you can improve on what this team does well, but it's going to be difficult understanding where the salary cap is and understanding what is going to have to happen as far as subtracting dollars out of the lineup. I guess my my main concern with the salary cap is don't let it deplete you. You've got to find a way to manage it now, but also improve on the things and the areas that you need to improve on. Uh, the center ice position is going to be a fascinating place to uh, to pay attention to when we get closer to training camp and what they do with the lines. Uh, there was a, a lot of people that uh, that had the assumption that Jack Eichel would play with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and Chandler Stevenson would find his different spot in the lineup and that the misfits would automatically stay together. Uh, and then you have to find uh, a spot for somebody like, like Nick Waugh. I, I, any of that happens now when you – go to the whiteboard and start uh, making up your lines for for next year. Chandler Stevenson was outstanding, and they finished off the season with those three together. Uh, But we also saw him excel without those two players and have a a career year. Uh, Jack Eichel uh, ends up playing uh, with with Jonathan Marchessault for an extended period of time down the the stretch, and William Carlson wasn't even the center iceman in in that area. The uh, where they go with their, their guys in the dot and then who ends up playing with the big two wingers and where the misfits sort themselves out. And only two of them are signed, uh, as you mentioned about Riley Smith being an unrestricted free agent. There's, there's a lot uh, on the plate and a lot of different ways that, that the coaching staff can go with. So what's your one through four? in the middle right now for the Golden Knights. Like, understanding that we haven't turned the page yet on the season and that everyone is still where they are, what's your one through one through four right now? My hope, this is where I see them at their best. So this, okay. this would be my, 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 uh, my wish list. Because of the way Chandler plays with the, the two big wingers, it's Chandler one, Jack two, Carlson, three, and Nick Waugh, four. Those, those are the, that's the order of my center iceman uh, as I look at the depth chart of this team, taking into account how those two wingers play with 
Chandler Stevenson. Now, if you're not going to put Chandler Stevenson with those two, things change, and they change a lot uh, in the order. Chan- Chandler Stevenson is not my number one guy, but if if I'm putting it's Jack, him, it's Jack then, right? If well, see, yeah, but it wasn't an automatic with Jack with with sure. Patchetti and Stone, so. Yeah. Maybe there's there's some time, some build up, and some some ability to get used to each other, and as as Pacioretty called it, chemistry. Uh, then 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 it goes together. But uh, but I, I think everything's on the board if if Chandler Stevenson's not with Pacioretty and Stone, and that more than than Jack Eichel, more than William Carlson is is my X factor. If it's if it's not Chandler with the two big boys, then everything's on the table. So for me, I I'm with you in that I think Chandler Stevenson with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone is the line that that should come back. If you're running it back, so to speak, that's the line that you want together from day one of training camp, and that's the line that you want to have together throughout the majority of an 82 game season. And I think. It's interesting in that Chandler Stevenson, I think, is the, is the engine that kind of makes those other two guys go. And, and it, you know, what a difference a year makes, and what a difference a career season makes um, to kind of lead us down that that line of thinking. I, I think you're also right on the money in that William Carlson is probably this team's third line center, um, and you have to lean into that if that's the direction that you're going. It, it, meaning, you have to allow William Carlson to go out there and do what he does best, and that is shut down the opposition's best players. So you mold a line around William Carlson that is predicated on strong, structured defensive play, and then that frees up Jack Eichel to get some other wingers in the lineup that are offensively minded, and it gives you an opportunity to have a, two specialist lines and then a line in Stevenson, Pacioretty, and Stone that can do just about everything. And, and I'm putting Stone and Pacioretty together. I don't know whether the organization mm-hmm. is. Uh, I never would sure. have foreseen a, a, a scenario play out where the Misfits weren't together. But even without the injuries, they were broken up. They were split up at times this year. Uh, to try and get things going, so uh, I, I should uh, want to make sure that everybody knows. Like I, I'm putting Stone and Patriotti together because of what I've, I've been able to see uh, in the past, and I think that uh, that that uh, that line just seems to hum along with more consistency with Chandler Stevenson. If 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 that's the case, though, who plays with Jack? Well, I, I think the obvious choice on one wing is Jonathan Marcia. So again, like you're talking about wanting to load up Jack's line as an offensive weapon. I think Jonathan Marcia so fits that bill on the other side. I don't know. Um, I, I really don't. I, it's going to be interesting because I feel like the, the player that plays with Jack, if it were Jack and Jonathan, is not with the organization right now. And 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 I I don't I don't and I'm not sure if that's because is that because you're saying Riley Smith is Henderson? unrestricted free, is restricted free agent is is that what you're saying? 
Uh, what I'm saying is I, I just I'm not sure that that the answer for a purely offensive line yeah. is within the organization right now. Like I don't I'm not going to put Nick Waugh up there because I think Nick Waugh is too valuable as a center. Um, Evgeny Dodonov had stretches, but I, I you know, the, the fact of the matter is the Golden Knights tried to trade that contract in season. Like I'm, I'm curious to see what ends up happening over the course of the offseason. I'm not going to put in there. Um, I don't know that Michael Amadio is going to be the answer for for a top line winger uh, where you're trying to ring out as much offense. I've lo- I love his skill, but I love his skill on the fourth line. So what I what I mean by that is, you know, I don't know that that player exists right now on this roster. I'm not sure if you get that player through free agency or via a trade. I'm not sure if you get that player. Uh, coming up through the ranks in Henderson, who may or may not have a really, really good campaign in the playoffs coming up soon. I don't know, but it, I would be inclined of leaning into offense with Jack Eichel and his line. So I think Jonathan Marchessault and then player to be named later is, is really the direction I'd like to see there. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun to uh, dig a little bit deeper away at uh, what the forwards uh, units will look like. And, and I think that there's something to be said about chemistry in the back end. Didn't see a lot of, uh, of long-lasting pairings because of injuries uh, being out. And, uh, and then there's the goaltending as well. So, uh, so much to get to. And we'll learn a lot, I think, tomorrow through the year-end availability from Pete DeBoer, Kelly McCrimmon, and uh, several of the players that will go through. And we'll bring you some of that uh, sound tomorrow in the VGK Insider Show. We'll take a break. Uh, you'll notice that we didn't open the phone lines uh, today. We'll do that uh, this week, though. Uh, thought it was important for us to offer our thoughts on the, the way the season ended and then uh, the media availability tomorrow and then get you uh, the stage and be able to really sound off and give us uh, your opinion on, on with, uh, with a little bit more uh, education to it and a little more information added to it. When we come back on the VGK Insider Show, the playoffs are underway in the National Hockey League. Four games uh, start tonight, four series start tonight. Uh, Whose favorite series jumps out at you? It's all coming up at the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. I think you can call this a low-scoring Stanley Cup postseason so far. Still waiting for our first goal. One game underway, Carolina Hurricanes against the Boston Bruins. Uh, that is a division winner against a wild card team. Although when you look at the goaltending health of the two teams, uh, the lower seed is the favorite in that series. If you're going to look at things uh, objectively, and the Boston Bruins have been carrying the play 14-4 uh, so far. Antti Ranta getting the start for the Carolina Hurricanes. Linus Allmark for the Boston Bruins. Other action that will take place tonight, Tampa Bay and Toronto. Los Angeles takes on Edmonton. And then we also have St. Louis against the Minnesota Wild. If you look back at this, and I force you to write something down. Stare Millard along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman on the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. Who's the biggest long shot, biggest surprise that you can think of that could win the Stanley Cup this year? Okay. Um, I'm going to say it just because I think everyone's thinking it. Um, 
and mainly because they haven't won anything since 67. And, you know, frankly, we all expect that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to fizzle out in the first round against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. So uh, I think the biggest long shot to win the Stanley Cup, given what everyone's perceived um, going into this one, is probably Toronto. Can you take a, and put Toronto with a 60-goal score as a long shot? Yeah, I can. I was more thinking Dallas or Nashville, somebody along that line, the Washington Capitals. Uh, but that's an interesting How? choice with the with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's all about history. And if you're going to go there, sure. then the Florida Panthers should be involved in that because they've won a series since 1996. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Florida Panthers got perhaps the best possible matchup in round one against the Washington Capitals because – what does Florida do? They like to score goals, and you know the Capitals are, are a team that I, I don't look at and say, well, they're going to really suffocate the the Florida Panthers. So I, I you know, I, I'm with you in that. Like based on history, I think that there's a number of teams that you don't really want to buy into. But again, when you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've got a three-one series lead, and you lose to the to the Montreal Canadiens in the Canadian Division last year. I, I don't think you get the benefit of the doubt that you're coming out of the first round. So in that regard, I don't look at them as legitimate contenders until they get out of the first round. And there, in order to do it, they're going to have to beat the Stanley Cup champions. There's only one series of the eight where I go. I would be shocked if this team doesn't win this series. Oh, boy. Toronto-Tampa? I, I could see Toronto winning that series. I'm picking Tampa. Edmonton-LA? Well, Edmonton has stumbled the last few years. Uh, I could I could find oh, a reason to believe that LA could win that series. The one team where I can't figure out how they don't win the series is Colorado. So that makes Nashville my biggest long shot in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm with you there. Like, I, I don't think Nashville's going to do much of anything, to be honest. Um, I really did want to see Nashville-Calgary just based on that game late in the season and how much drama and fascination there was. That was a game where UC Saros went down with his injury. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which the Colorado Avalanche lose to the Nashville Predators, right. especially considering that the Predators – do not have their number one goaltender for at least the first couple of games of the series. So, yeah, if you want to go there, that's fine, but I'm not moving off of Toronto. Toronto hasn't won a first-round playoff matchup in many, many years. They've had plenty of opportunities to do so. Every single time they've squandered a series lead and a lead in a Game 7 to get there. So uh, until they do it, I don't think they have a chance to win anything. What's your most interesting series? Um, interesting. It, like, I think the I think the potential to be the best series is probably the Wild and the Blues. Like, I think that those two teams genuinely do not like each other. That's the and most as old much school as hockey like, series. Yeah, as much as we want to like build up the the Battle of Alberta, should we get it in round number two? Like, I think you're getting that old school throwback. We absolutely despise one another uh, type of playoff series in the first round with the Wild and the Blues. Uh, but I think what like what I'm most intrigued about is the Rangers and the Penguins, and I'm intrigued because 
This is Igor Shesterkin's first crack at the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he's going up against Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And even though there's questions about the goaltending for the Penguins, uh, what have you told me time and time and time and time again? Don't bet against Sidney Crosby, yeah. especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's a great test for the Rangers to see, like, are they legit? Are they as good as what their record indicated they were? I think their goaltender is. It'll be interesting to see how that series shakes out. Just an add-on to the Sidney Crosby line is he's thinking this could be his group's last kick of the can. When he's thinking yeah. of that, then then that for that core group of Malkin and, and Latang. Uh, then you've really got a motivated uh, Sidney Crosby. I, I I have trouble getting past Toronto and Tampa Bay as the most fascinating, interesting series in in the first round. One team's going for a three-peat. Uh, they're a, a yep. three-seed uh, for the second straight year. Uh, Steven Stamkos is a Toronto-area guy. He's over 100 points uh, against a team that uh, whose identity is failure. Uh, that that and, and and coming up short. That's that's what Toronto has been uh, going back a, a number of years, despite the incredible level of talent that they have uh, up front. Mm. And can can their goaltending uh, outduel Andre Vasilevsky? That's a tough order. So you, then you're asking for <laughs> for Matthews and Nylander and Marner and company mm-hmm. to 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 outduel Kucherov and Stamkos and point to another level, I I can't get my head around that. So what you're saying is that there are long shots to win, right? I, I, what I'm saying is I'm taking Tampa Bay in that series. <laughs> are, what's, what, what percentage chance are you giving the Leafs in this, honestly? 30. They have, they have a 60 Does goal any score. other team? Okay, right, right, right. Okay, so, so let me ask you this question. In terms of all the other series that you have on the table right now, all other eight, you said the, the team you give zero chance to is Nashville, and you're giving Toronto a 30% chance. Do you have any other team less than the Toronto Maple Leafs coming out of the first round? Yeah, I'd probably go L.A., 30%, uh, because of uh, going up against the two best players in the world. So, that, that so would, are that those would your be, bottom three? That would, that would be on, the, on on a similar uh, vein. Uh, I mean, I... I'm not sure that that Washington can make a lot of noise against the Florida Panthers, <laughs> but the Florida Panthers yeah. are in are in the same uh, realm of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, yeah. show me what you've done lately. I, there's there's all kinds of talent, and and maybe if if Florida wins their first series and Toronto wins its first series, then then I have a little bit more buy-in. But going into this set, uh, I. I Right now, I have a lot of uh, you. Got to show me before I'm gonna gonna buy in. I I don't have Toronto coming out of the first round. My my Stanley Cup final is Tampa against Calgary. Uh, in full disclosure, mm-hmm. and I have Calgary winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup. But uh, but but between between Toronto and the likes of Florida and the likes of of Edmonton, there's a lot of questions that will be answered in the next two weeks here. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that right now going into it, and, and and I'll give you my full disclosure, 
as much as I said that I don't give the Leafs any chance, as much as I said that they're a dark horse, they might just be my pick coming out of the East. Because I think that going into this, no one's giving them a chance. I'm not even giving them a chance. I don't think they're going to beat Tampa in the first round. But if you are able to kind of overcome that, if you're able to find a way to make it happen, then I think the winner of this series has a real good shot of going to the Stanley Cup final out of the East. So if Toronto wins their first round matchup, then all of a sudden I don't think that they are dark horses. I think they are front runners and it's funny how much perception can change after just seven games but that's what's on the line right now for this toronto maple leafs team toronto florida edmonton that that's the hump is the first first round uh for somebody like colorado who i fully believe will get into the second round the hump is is that second round trying to get past the second round for the first time in a while that's that's (laughs) been their uh achilles heel then you got a, a bunch of teams that can just throw a wrench into it and be able to win uh, despite being uh, unheralded in it. Like, uh, Alexander Ovechkin is going to play. Can Washington put it all together? Pittsburgh, with with the motivated uh, staff there uh, of, of veterans, can they all get it going? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it can happen. Uh, one bit of news uh, before we take a break. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets have extended their general manager, Kevin Chevelday, up, but they also made a change at the coach, uh, Dave Lowry. Uh, sounds like he uh, is out uh, per reports, and they've changed the, uh, some of the coaching staff, minus the goaltending coach. So uh, the first of the dominoes falling uh, today when it comes to uh, coaches uh, that are outside the playoffs and uh, we'll see what happens with some other guys uh, that have the interim tag to finish off the season. Uh, we have uh, one more segment to come in hour number one. want to bring you that next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the BGK Insider Show. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the BGK Insider Show. We are back. We are ready to launch into our final play of the day of the season. Just to pause and think about this. We brought you uh, 82 plays of the day, and this is the final one, and it came in a viciously superior effort uh, over the St. Louis Blues the other night, which uh, made some history. Jonathan Marshall scoring his 30th goal of the season, but the play of the day goes to a young blue liner who adds to his career total in Zach Whitecloud. Whitecloud whirls around, gets the puck, and scores! Oh my goodness! Precision shot from Zach Whitecloud. Deep on the right wing side, upstairs on Billy Husso. Ties the game 3-3 with 4.28 to go in the second period. That was uh, a pretty incredible effort by Zach Whitecloud. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good pass just inside the zone by Zach uh, by Jack Eichel uh, and Zach Whitecloud picks up the puck, spinorama, and then he's able to roof it over Vili Huso. Just you know, edge work, great shot, fantastic finish, and and it was uh, one of those plays that you know Zach Whitecloud has made throughout the year where you say the offensive upside is maybe a little bit more than what we thought it would be with Zach Whitecloud, and he gets more and more confident as the years go by. He's going to be a very, very important piece for the Golden Knights moving forward. When when he's all said and done, what do you think his career high for goals is? Um, I mean, like, I, I think that, that Zach has the potential to score double digits. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as like 15, but I think somewhere in the 10 to 12 range is, is probably within his grasp. 
Yeah, I, I would say that. Uh, 15 at a very, very high, great season. Yeah. Uh, you saw what uh, what Shea Theodore was able to do, and uh, definitely more uh, offensive instincts uh, in Shea Theodore's game than, than Cloud. But I, I, when you examine the, uh, the follow-up from this season, that's another one of those great, uh, looks where you go. Okay, there's there's a lot more there than we thought of at the start of the year for for Zach Whitecloud. Uh, before we take a break and uh, bring in hour number two, the VGK Insider Show. Uh, quick question for you: Sixteen teams in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup playoffs. Anybody's job on the line as far as a coach? And the, another way to ask that is: Who's the most pressure on starting this Stanley Cup playoff? Mm. I think there's two that, that are front of mind for me. It's Jared Bednar in Colorado. It's Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. Jared like, Bednar, they just, just I, haven't he, been able to get past the second round, despite some great teams. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that, that the Colorado Avalanche have to go to a, at least a conference final, um, and, and maybe even that's not going to be enough because they've literally run roughshod over the league this year. And then, um, you know, with Toronto, like you can you can look at it and you can you can talk yourself into, well, you ran into the two time defending Stanley Cup champions. But the fact of the matter is you got to win a first round series at some point here. So I think those are the two guys that make the sense make sense to me. Yeah, everybody else. There's the caveats in place where you can OK, Carolina. Uh, they've got some injuries on their goaltending. Uh, Florida, great season, but there's been some some unrest uh, around that team. Uh, there's there's I can, I can kind of spin it in almost every regard. Dallas, fortunate to get in. Nashville, uh, goaltending beat up on the back end. Colorado and Toronto, they're pretty much good, good to go, and that's where uh, that's where the pressure is on uh, right now. Tomorrow is Locker Day cleanout. Uh, I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow to discuss that. Hour number two with Ryan and Chapman is coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.